Pickaxe. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor, and every season or arc has a new set of groups and stories all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. Hello, and welcome back to the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast and your fortnightly home for Doctor Who news and reviews. I'm Matthew Toflo. I'm joined, as ever, by Billy Garrett-John, and today we're talking about Wild Blue Yonder. Hello, Billy. How are you doing? Hello, Matt. Uh, I'm really good. Can you sing Wild Blue Yonder for me? No, I don't know, Do the, know song. the song. I don't know it at all. None I of think us that's did. The, let's get it out of the way. That's the thing that I didn't like the most about this episode. Yeah, and we finished it. We watched, didn't get that. We've watched it twice, the three of us, um, me, Johnny, and Annie. And uh, yeah, every time we were like, so what's the song about? <laughs> what's the relevance? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it just because it's a war song and it's like a warning from the TARDIS that like, oh, this is bad. This is a bad place. But then just play the cloister bell sound effect. Yeah, I guess so. Or is it because those creatures want to go to war? They've got a thing about war, haven't they? Because that, that's the theme, I was going to ask you about the that. War, you know, the sound of war and all this sort of stuff. And they want to go to our universe to wage war. Maybe. Maybe it's that. So they've they have synced up their phones to the TARDIS's Bluetooth speaker, yeah. and are playing that th- on their Spotify yeah. wrapped. Is that the, is that the idea? I think that's it. I think they heard that. Okay, it wasn't from another universe at all. It was just the TARDIS turned up playing that, and they were like, "Oh, this is this is catchy. Never heard this before." This is a bop. That horse, um, that horse lady didn't play any good music. It was all neighing. <laughs> Yeah, it was all uh, jumping over fences and shit like that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's my not, lovely, not my kind lovely, of, uh, lovely horse. <laughs> lovely, lovely horse. Okay, uh, this so, is yes. a very weird uh, start to this podcast. <laughs> we just went straight in. It's a weird episode of Doctor Who to talk about, Matt. It, it, well, that is true. That is true. But a very good episode. Let's should we get that out of the oh way? Oh my god! Well, I was just about to say that. Wild Blue Yonder thing is basically my only criticism from this week. So it's yeah. just going to be glowing from here on out. Yeah, me too. Um, it was it was excellent. And I've got to say, uh, and Russell brought this up in the official podcast. Um, not that we should be advertising that because there are there are enemies technically. Um, what official podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, he said on that that he was like, oh, maybe we did the wrong thing by not revealing any of this. Uh, and, you know, creating this sort of mystery and this hype around the story that something big was going to happen. Um, or at least he didn't do that. It was just people assumed that because it was being kept secret. Um, and he did say, oh, I wo- I'm wondering if that's going to backfire on broadcast. I don't think it did. And I'm very glad that uh, no other doctors turned up or Susan didn't turn up like it was rumoured. Uh, from that leak from ages ago. So that was bollocks. <laughs> well, hopefully that means that the other leaks that we've heard about the specials are bollocks that, you know, people well, aren't so keen on. I mean, on. they've already confirmed goblins and Davina McCall from That's the church true. on Ruby Road. Merry so. Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, I 
I think he said, because I, of course, I watched the official podcast. Uh, Russell says that he wanted to keep it under wraps because it's nice to have it secret, but also because it's the simplest one of the lot, right? Yeah. And I think that's what he said. And um, I totally get where he's coming from because the Doctor goes onto a spaceship with Donna and they meet their doppelgangers and get chased for 50 minutes. Is like the story. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's everything else that happens in this story that, you know, that's the reason why you keep it secret because there were moments in this where I thought, I'm so glad that they didn't spoil. Yeah. I'm so glad they didn't spoil the the visuals of the spaceship for a starter because yeah. everything outside of that cupboard we hadn't really seen. We, there were a couple of press photos of uh, corridors and yeah. the doctor sat on like a big chair or whatever, but we had no idea where they were, no. obviously what was going on. And you needed that going into this story. This is obviously going to maintain its quality on rewatch. Oh, um, definitely. That's already happened for me. Yeah. But, that in initial fact, I viewing think I enjoyed experience. it more the second time round. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, we, we, and we all said it. We all said, God, you know, it's, it's just so good. We just really enjoyed it. It is, it is sort of like midnight, but mm. upper level. That's not me saying that I necessarily prefer this to midnight. I think midnight is possibly the strongest story and possibly the scariest story because I think it does, it works in such a simple way in that one set with those people i mean he's trying to de- tell a different story isn't it it's all about sort of like the the human condition isn't it midnight and how bloody awful human beings can be um whereas this is slightly different but it's that same sort of thing isn't it the the creature that is trying to become one of us and is learning and adapting um i'd love to know where russell's sort of fascination with that has come from i wonder if there's you know, is that like an AI type thing? You know, this idea I was that gonna you know, say the this, computers yeah. are learning to be like us and is it I like wonder, one of those fears? I wonder when the meta is going to sort of reveal itself a bit more because yeah. you could say that the first one maybe was about identity, like yeah. the duality of Meep, good side and bad side, obviously Rose being trans and identity in the Doctor's face is obviously a long running thread yeah. through this episode. Donna, the Doctor Donna, that duality. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you were to try and extract anything, it would be you can replicate something to a certain degree, but you can't, you can have all the kind of data, yeah. the facts, the figures, the numbers, but you can't have the feeling and the intuition and the context. Yeah. And um, that ultimately is what makes us all unique. So I totally see that there is some commentary mm. going on there. Um I mean, and the other thing is, of course, that it just, you sort of said already about keeping the ship secret. It looked so good. I mean, there were some CGI bits that were a bit like, oh, okay, that's not necessarily worked as well as it could have done, even on a big, you know, Disney-ish budget. But, um, you know, on the whole, I mean, the design, the physical design of the ship was insane. And then to go and watch Unleashed afterwards and like see how they had like pipes with water being pumped through it and stuff. Mm. And you think that is such a minute detail that you are probably going to miss the first time you watch it. Um, But the fact that they did it is incredible. Uh, And just all of those corridors and things and the vents and the way it was lit and the way it was designed with with the doors and the bits flipping around and stuff. Really, really incredible stuff. Very, very clever. It totally became a character of itself. Yes. Like, that the ship was the mystery 
and it unfolded, you know, like you say, from the ship resetting itself, the interior flipping around, the slow robot. I mean, yeah. I know people have already drawn allusions to um, uh, Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. but it is the same designer, isn't it? It's the same it guy is, that did the Hitchhiker's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he's got such an eye and, you know... Uh, it, there are heart of gold aspects of the TARDIS interior, but yeah. that is somebody who do you call on to create a spaceship set? It's that dude. I, his name escapes me at the moment. But, yeah. Um, and then you've got the clanging, the airlock opening and closing three years ago. It was a yeah. perfect unfolding of the mystery and the ship was a great setting for that. Yeah. And then you just suddenly get slapped with my arms are too long. Yeah. And you're like whoa the, you know all the mystery can take a back seat for a second what the fuck is going on yeah there? that's it <laughs> isn't it I, when we were watching it because you, you know they go off their separate ways don't they the doctor and donna and then the doctor comes back and he sits down yes. and they start having that little conversation what a moment yeah and you think oh okay and then it cuts to the doctor fiddling with the pipes as he was and we all went wait hang on what and then I was like, oh my God, there's two of them. And then, of course, you get, like you said, the arms are too long. Oh, what a, what a moment. Really, I really was cool. definitely overanalyzing this, but I thought something's up when he came back in, the yeah. into Donna's room. And I thought, because Russell is teasing the fact that Donna's going to die. And obviously we had a massive fake out at the end of this story. Yeah. And I think people are anticipating that's going to happen at the end of the giggle, yeah. you know, because it's just being teased. Um, but I thought, the doctor coming back in was when he left the room, he was like zapped to uh, into the adventure and then figures out that Donna doesn't get through it. And right. he's now just come back having done it. Oh, all. He, uh, Cause he looks at, he looks at her really mournfully. Yeah. And now on a rewatch, when you obviously realize that isn't the case and yeah. I was just massively overanalyzing everything. You had, uh, you had Stephen Moffat that, in your brain. You're like, if I, this I, was a I, Stephen I, Moffat story, this is. I've the seen a lot of people back. drawing that like comparison. Yeah. Or, you know, um, like last week was the kind of classic runaround RTD. Yeah. You know, London's on fire. This week was the slightly more, was cerebral. I, I don't know if I would necessarily call Stephen Moffat like a cerebral writer, but it was the, you know. Yeah. The head crazy scratcher. Crazy turns around every corner, the head scratcher. Yeah, exactly. Um, the mystery box thing. Uh, so, yeah, when that reveal did happen, and. This is where I think the money's been spent, isn't it? Because like you said, some of the CG was a bit dodge. Yeah. Uh, with the running down corridors at the end in particular, yeah. I thought looked uh, and, super And that handy. one bit, once once David Tennant had bent over backwards and then his head was like sticking through his legs, it was like, <laughs> oh, it's like that that does look janky. Maybe you could have had a, another go at that or something. But it was him uh, spider walking. Um, like, Was that really, the- t- was that Tennant? I'm sure I saw that on Twitter. Somebody said that's that's him, or he he even says that's me. I'm really? sure I saw that. Oh, on really? Twitter. My God! Yeah, um, be that flexible but, at 53 or whatever he is. Fair play to him. They, they David Tennant for a reason. Um, my <laughs> cock is too long. Um, yeah, he's doing all the spider walking and stuff. It's that's just crazy. And then um, like the, the Donna's double knee. Oh like, yeah, that's oh. horrible. Yeah, it's so so grim. It's it's clever, um, isn't it? Because it's such a simple idea, but it's just that uncanny valley thing of oh, this is just not quite right. And my mum texts my brother after we watched it, and she put, "Oh, Doctor Who was a bit creepy." <laughs> and then she said to us yesterday, she was like, "Oh yeah," she said it was a bit freaky. That she said I didn't. She's like been all enjoying that it. It's She's good been to loving see. it. And like Jonathan said last night uh, after we watched it the second time. 
I said, so what do you think on a second viewing? And he said, oh, brilliant. He said, I got to say, he said, both of these episodes have been really brilliant. He said, I've thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Um, so it's, there's definitely like a, a shift somewhere. There's a shift in the air, uh, which is good. And I mean, when I, when I went into work last week, um, uh, a couple of people came up to me and said, did you watch Doctor Who? Which I was like, oh my God, people are asking me about Doctor Who. I was like, yes, and I thought it was very good. And they were like, yeah, we loved it. You know, we thought it was really good. One of them even went off and watched the behind the scenes and watched Unleashed afterwards. They were that wow, invested. Wow, it's happening. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, my God, this is excellent. So um, I'm looking forward to talking to people this week and saying, what did you think of that mad one? Um, and yeah, it's bearing out in the viewing figures. What was yeah. it? It was only a drop of like 200,000 from last week. And yeah. I don't know if the figures have been officially confirmed, but I'm seeing somewhere uh, in the region of 7.2, 7.6 with the with the plus consolidated Oh, for Starbeast. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Um, yeah, because wasn't it great. Wasn't it like voting, the first night of voting for I'm a Celebrity on Saturday? Oh, I, well, I, it beat, what, was that this weekend? This weekend. So I think that's why oh, it okay. just beat Doctor Who because I think everyone was picking up the phone to make Nigel Farage eat bloody kangaroo's <laughs> testicles and, you know, <laughs> koala cock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, yeah. Uh, so, so that's really good. That's really good to see. And, and like you say, yeah, I, I'm getting people coming up to me at work and saying, like, not even necessarily aware that it's on now. Yeah. But I feel like there's a thing in the air of Doctor Who and mm. people are kind of remem- remembering it again. And, yeah. um, you know, I said, oh, no, well, you know, the specials have started. And they're like, oh, uh, and is it is it the new guy from Sex Ed? No, 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 it's David Tennant. Oh, I used to watch it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, it's, it, you know, it's, it's works. It's happened, yeah. which is everything we wanted um, and, and I don't want him to go I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm really annoyed finally because... you're echoing the sentiments that uh, of every yeah. Doctor Who fan seemingly apart from us back in 2009 yeah I, I, I love him I think he's brilliant He's he's been so good in both of these stories I, I, and, I, and I love Donna as well and having them back and then knowing that you know in a few days time we're going to have to say goodbye to them both again it's like, oh, but I was just, I was just getting used to having you guys around. You know, I could, have, I could easily watch another ten episodes with the two of them rocking around in time and space. So there's a spin-off. Well, if you want to do, one. you may very well get your wish, Matt. If things well, are to be, mm. you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, yes. So I'm talking about Catherine and David. Um, that my two standouts for them this week was. Uh, when the doctor realizes that they get the blood pumping, they get the heart going, yeah. they get the brain thinking, they terrorize you, yeah. but he can't stop himself from thinking because yeah. he's Doctor Who, and that's the way his brain works. That was a beautiful bit of acting. Obviously, yeah. he was great at the as the not thing, the not fourteen. Oh yeah, I mean, um, very unnerving. Both of them, they both did wonderful mm. performances, being very unnerving and unsettling, and yeah, yeah really good. And especially to their see their gait change, their whole tone of voice, their face. Like yeah. David is absolutely vacant yeah like he's just not there at all Catherine's got this purr to her voice which is really unsettling yeah and she's got um, like a twinkle in her eye very mischievous and yeah yeah but then, but then also kind of weirdly alien and animalistic like when she drops to her knees and starts counting the salt on the floor that yeah. was really creepy yeah they they i would love to have i would have loved for the unleashed lot to have shown sort of more of the behind the scenes of that i mean obviously you know the technical spectacle is fantastic 
But from the acting point of view, I would have loved to have seen those two be like, right, well, how are we going to do this? What's our process? Or, you know, how was the director involved in that? Or was it just something the two there of is them a little bit of, um There is a little bit of that in the behind the scenes video on YouTube, which I was just halfway through watching. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, the director is saying, right, well, yeah, let's rehearse good Donna and bad Donna. Right, um, yeah. Good doctor and bad doctor. And yeah, which, which are you going to give me now? And yeah. you can see David sort of do that kind of ready kind of bang snapping into it i'm acting yeah which is really really cool yeah um yeah they worked fabulously my standout for Catherine tate this week um was right at the very end um and i don't think we'll skip all the way there now i think there's still a little bit left to talk about oh, yeah. but um her absolute shock and horror at being left behind yeah i think is one of her best pieces of acting I've I've ever seen. Yeah. Um it was definitely the best in in, in this special but uh cuz you felt it you felt yeah. that oh my god no oh my god no I can't believe this has just this has happened. Yeah um, and, and because it, you know obviously we don't know what's happening in these stories and you know Russell's already said you know anything can happen and all this kind of stuff. You did genuinely think that well maybe this is it maybe maybe real Donna dies and he ends up with fake Donna, you know. I think it was when they cut to the exterior of the spaceship and it went at yeah. the far end and it exploded. And I thought, we're just going to stay on this shot and we're yeah. going to watch the thing explode with Donna in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I was saying the only thing I was sort of a bit iffy on was the inclusion of the Wild Blue Yonder song. Um, but I also think that the Doctor discovering that she's a not thing right yeah. at the very end was a little bit, I mean, it, it was literally seconds. And, and yeah. I, I've watched it both. Uh, watched it twice. Watched it both. I've watched it twice. <laughs> and um, I, both times, um, I couldn't really see what he'd noticed. It was it was something to do with her arm. You noticed her, her arm was like a millimetre longer. Because it's, on the, it's on the scanner the on audience. the TARDIS. Oh, so the scanner told him. The TARDIS told him. Yeah, the scanner's got her skeleton and it's got like all these little blip, blip, blips. And then he's he says, and he turns okay. around and he says, oh, your arm's too long. And then the ramp goes up. Thank you. I'm probably the only person in the world that missed that twice. Yeah, twice. But <laughs> I, I, I missed it both. Um, I got to say, yes. what I thought um, in terms of the things that I don't think worked, and I, this is not to say that it didn't work, but it just felt like a, ooh, a weird sort of tonal shift was the opening with Sir Isaac Newton. Um, yes. Because I think, obviously, with all the clips and stuff and everything we've been told, you know, we thought this is the spooky one, the scary one. And then all of a sudden, you get this little comical bit at the start. Yeah, which, 1666. Like, what is going... Is this Chris yeah. Chibnall? That, that text needs to be a bit bigger on the screen, mate. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, maybe this story is not going to be what we think it is. Maybe it's not all going to be set on a spaceship. Maybe it, there is going to be other stuff going on, which obviously it didn't end up being. Um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not saying that it took me out of it, but I thought, oh, tonally, I guess that maybe they just thought, well, we need some levity at the start of this to try and, mm. I don't know, because obviously it brings up the whole Mavity thing. Is that, do you think that will come up again? Do you, do you think there's I, a, a through line there? I've seen some people referencing Bojack Horseman and there's like a, a reference to Holly Woo, which right. I think is, the lo- is, is what they refer to the... Where, where they're at and, and that maybe is brought up at some point. I don't know. I yeah. don't know the context of that. I wonder if this is something to just illustrate to audiences what time travel in Doctor Who means, like the yeah. effect that you can have 
and this isn't going to come up for ages. And like you say, it was just a scene just to brighten the mood before we get into the craziness. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, we're setting something up where... But they, they don't appear to have changed anything else no. like in previous episodes. And obviously at the end, we have the scene with the 14th Doctor saying maybe doing the salt and invoking the superstition of not passing the salt line yeah. was a bad idea at the edge of creation. And that might have something to do with how the toy maker finds his way yeah. through, I'm guessing. Um, so I don't know if it has quite <laughs> the same um, weight as that, sort of the consequences yeah. um, that we'll, we'll see going forward. Yeah. Maybe it is just shorthand. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I... I I've, I mean, I've seen a few people online say, oh, maybe that this is uh, this is to signify that this is another universe and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if they'll go down that route because I think if you say it's another universe, then the, the, the consequences of the story feel some, somehow cheated. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because you sort of feel like, well, this doesn't really matter or this doesn't really count. Um, because I know there was a lot of that with Flux, and obviously we'll talk about Flux in a minute, but there was that whole thing mm. about, oh, you know, are we going to jump universes? Are we going to get jump to a new universe and it's going to be like a reboot universe and, you know, all that kind of stuff? And one of the things was, oh, is that a bit of a cheat? Um, so I don't think Russell would do that because I think Russell's very keen on people to feel the impact of things, um, especially related to key characters like the noble family. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it is just... Uh, a little gag, uh, and it will, you know, it will. Time will just iron itself out. Maybe Sir Isaac Newton for a few days later. Gravity sounds a bit shit. Let's go with gravity. I think it was interesting how they mentioned it, like three, th- two, at least two, maybe three distinct times through yeah. the episode. So that to me is like, you know, the rule of thirds in comedy, and then where's the payoff so i feel like this is going to gonna go somewhere off. yeah maybe not in the immediate future but i think that this is going to be like something that 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 does come back at some point yeah um let's talk a little bit about the lovely surprise we had at the end of this story which yeah. is bernard cribbins reprising his role as Will yeah. in what will be his only appearance in the specials yeah. we've been told um it's interesting uh, looking at some of the clips that have come out for uh, the giggle because it looks like he was on location and is just being cropped out um, of some shots. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it feels like to me it's been made pretty clear that he's not going to feature in the giggle. Yeah. Um, but we obviously know he was on location in Bristol and in Camden. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how they work around that. Um, Matt, I'm going to um, ask you the most morbid Doctor Who quiz question ever, Ooh, which will ensure we never get asked again to do a round at the Quiz of Rassilon. Right. Um, can you name me all of the episodes in the history of Doctor Who which feature a in-living-memory-of caption? Oh, bloody hell. Um I'm going to say that it's all new series, apart from, I think the TV movie had a remembrance one, yeah. for John Pertwee. Um, did Partners in Crime have one for Verity Lambert or for Barry Letts? That was Voyage of the Damned. Voyage uh, of the Damned. And yeah, The Waters of Mars had Barry Letts. We've okay. got one more, including this, excluding this. So we've had Verity, we've had Barry Letts. Uh, John, we've already had. Obviously, Bernard Cribbins. 
Oh, who could the other one be? Terence Dix, did he get one? Was that during Terence Dix got Jody one Whittaker's? for Spyfall, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, there you go, everybody. Was that, your, your, was that uh, your thing that you put on Twitter picked me up. the other day? Yeah, I, and then I, I thought that, that, that those were the only ones, and then somebody commented underneath, I went, thank God I didn't fucking make an idiot myself. <laughs> Thanks for telling me, everybody. Thanks to the people who informed me there. Um, so, people are going crazy in that last scene. There's planes falling out the sky. Next yeah. week seems like it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, but before we kind of talk a little bit about that, you mentioned it a second ago. Let's talk a little bit about the flux and yeah. timeless child stuff because yeah. that was certainly something I didn't expect. Of all the kind of cameos or references that people were anticipating to come out of this story, yeah. that was not top no. of my list in terms of what I expected to happen. Um, what did you think of it? Um, I mean... Uh on one level, I think it's hilarious that you've got the the succeeding showrunner having to pick up the pieces of the previous showrunner's storylines and go, you know, let's let's clear up these answers that some people, uh, you know, clear up these questions that some people are asking for answers, you know, because this was something we brought up all the time when we were reviewing Flux. We were like, well, mm. what the hell's happened to the universe? Is it just fixed? Is it undone? You know, what what's going on there? So it's interesting to have... And Chibnall obviously never gave us an answer to that. It was just life carried on as normal. Let's go sword fight some sea devils and let's arse around with the master. Um, so it's interesting to see Russell go, right, okay, well, you know, he'd already mentioned Gallifrey in that story. And because... Do- Bad Donna sort of says something about, do you miss Gallifrey? And he says, oh, that's that got complicated, which I thought was lovely way of just being like, yeah, well, they came back and then they all died again. And let's that just- That must be tricky for David to play because it's sort yeah. of like, so is Gallifrey still out there? Like, because um, that was such a huge part of, you know, his characterization as yeah. the lonely God and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the last of the Time Lords. Yeah. It must be difficult for him coming back to the show and, and be ba- basically playing the same character. And all the development has been done without him being there with yeah. this huge aspect of their, of the character's lore and the character's past. I thought he, he handled that quite well. You still felt the kind of, you know, yearning and the yeah. longing for Gallifrey, but yeah. also that, there have been experiences since. Yeah, yeah. The complicated line was 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 very clever. And then yeah, so then to have Chib, uh, uh, Russell then sort of say, well, no, you know, this is this is the situation with the flux. You know, half of the universe has been destroyed, and this is now the Doctor's new guilt. Um, you know, I guess this is this is the time war angst, uh, but this time it's just that he was, you know, sort of indirectly responsible for half the universe being wiped out. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if any of this will ever come up again, uh, because, you know, are the Sontarans going to turn up one day and be like, oh, you know, that was, that was our time when half of the universe got wiped out or, you know, or, you know, are the Cybermen still reeling from that sort of thing? Who knows? Um, what I will say is, I mean, I thought he played it brilliantly. David, mm. I thought he did it very well, like you said, considering that it's not his era and it's, you know, not experiences that he's had to deal with himself. Um, but um, I did wonder if this is going to be a bit confusing for other people, like normal audiences who skipped the Jody era. Uh, and then um, Annie's friend texted her and said, What is the flux? What are they talking about? I am so confused. 
And it's like, okay, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm a bit worried that people are like, why, have, why have we just sort of paused this story for this sort of slight info dump that you know people aren't going to necessarily know what any of that means, particularly naming it the flux. You know, maybe it was mm. just safer to just, I don't know, was it safer the to thing ignore that it? Happened. I, yeah. I think that it will be treated probably the same way that the time war was treated when you heard those initial kind of references to it when the show came back like yeah we were all asking the same question i guess the difference of course is that you've got the show to refer to and that storyline you know how many years ago that that was now yeah um but i don't think it's going to be as core to the doctor's character or their development going forward as the time war was because you know not only is that not russell's work and i don't think he'll want to infer you know story elements that aren't his we know how he felt about the time war being undone yeah. during Moffat's era yeah. so I don't know if he'll want to tread on toes in that way yeah um but it seems no different to me interestingly the, the, Annie's friend sort of mentioned it but it seems no different to me to, to the time war being mentioned and us all going at the time what's all that about yeah I guess so um yeah, I don't know if it was just because... I mean, obviously, with, with the Time War stuff, you know, Doctor Who hadn't been on the air, so, you know, it, it felt new, and I guess new audiences just assumed this was some new plot point. I guess what we're dealing with here is the fact that, you know, Doctor Who hasn't, has only been off the air for what, just over a year. Um, so I guess there is, it's, it's been on recently enough for people to go, oh, wait, was that something that actually has happened in the series, mm. you know, physically. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it won't be anything that I really... I think The Timeless Child is probably going to be the thing that's most confusing to audiences because yeah. you have a reference earlier in the episode, as you said, to Gallifrey and yeah. that being the Doctor's home. And then Donna, you know, asks him about The Timeless Child. You, you're yeah. not actually from there. You don't know where you're from. Yeah. I think that could maybe be a bit more, okay, I've got a lot more to catch up on than I thought I did. Yeah. You know, the same sort of... Uh, story threads and arcs that maybe weighed the show down and put people off during the Moffat era. That's a massive generalisation, but that is, you know, it's generally what you hear is, I, oh, I didn't yeah. tune in last week, so I'm not going to bother catching up and I'll just leave it. Yeah. Um, so and I, I think I, that that was, that was a nice reference. I'm glad that that hasn't been dropped because that is, you know, we, we, we've spoken about this before. The whole point of the 50th anniversary, according to interviews from Moffat at the time, was this is the Doctor's new mission is to go and find Gallifrey. You know, 50 years on, it's almost like sort of a longer term story reset for the Doctor. Yeah. And the Timeless Child, I think, has acted as more of that in terms of the Doctor's... Yeah. Uh, you know, the mystery had been stripped away totally to the point where the Doctor is literally calling themselves Doctor Who on screen. Yeah. And we're threatening to learn the name of the Doctor and all that stuff. Yeah. So... If, if the, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next week, obviously, and you mentioned the alternative universe and a hard reset, I think that it will be a reset that maybe newer fans have to just sort of go, yeah, fine, I'll learn about this when I get into the show. Yeah. But it, it might be confusing for them initially. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just want to say, in terms of that scene, really interesting, you know, David played it brilliantly, Um because he really lets his defences down in that scene. Uh, you know, in that moment when he suddenly thinks, oh, actually, I've got someone that I can talk to about this and that I can confide in. Uh, and he's got that 
sort of little quiet bit where he says, oh, Donna, is that you? I've missed you so much. And then that when the carpet is pulled from under his feet and Donna, literally, the carpet is pulled from under her feet and she falls into a puddle. <laughs> uh, that's such a good moment. She becomes and a boneless. She becomes a boneless, yeah. And uh, yeah, really, really well played by by David and by Catherine because she's absolutely vile in that that bit she really does she spits those words out with with real bile and it's just very antagonistic it's great mm. um and then obviously afterwards he has that moment in the corridor or in the ventilation shaft where he screams and he bangs and kicks the thing and then he has that moment of calm and he just says good and then he goes off and he's like right now i've got to carry on and save the day sort of thing really interesting to see those sort of character beats and then for it to come back round at the end when he asks Donna, you know, oh, you know, your doppelganger said that she had all the memories of everything that's gone on. And obviously Donna says, no, I, I, I don't know. She said it was too much for my brain to take. And you can see the disappointment in the doctor because he just sort of thinks, oh, for that for that split second, he thought there was someone else out there that he could relate to. And I think it's, mm. it's interesting. Again, it is very uh, reminiscent of all that Time War stuff because it was always that thing of, you know, as much as I love Rose, um, you know, I cannot share the burden of all the things that I've been through. But as soon as the master comes along, you know, it gives the doctor that glimmer of hope. You see it in Utopia, don't you? When he's like, oh, look, come on, it's just the two of us left now. You know, things have changed. Um, and again, you know, the, the carpet's pulled out from under his feet. So I think it is interesting that Russell is using these sort of like emotional beats from before to try and um, give the doctor that sort of backbone emotionally. Uh, because I guess, you know, the problem with the doctor is that he can be so emotionally void in some ways, you know, particularly in the old series, you know, there was a lot of occasions where you sort of thought, oh gosh, you know, he's, he's so alien. You heartless bastard. Yeah. You heartless bastard. Yeah. Um, and it's in, and you know they've made a quite a point of saying you know especially with the fourteenth Doctor that he's a lot more human than he was when he was the tenth Doctor because he's gone through all these things. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that carries out, particularly like you were saying with the timeless children thing, particularly with uh, Ruby, and you know from what we know about her character, yes. um, how those two characters are going to gel. You know where where are they going to find sort of familiar footing? Um, yeah, so it, it's interesting. This was a, a really good character study, as, as well as being a, a good f scary story with you know all the body horror and all that stuff. It was a it was an interesting character exercise. It was, I think, an exercise uh, from Russell in showing off what Doctor Who can do. Like yeah. last week, Mad Pannington nearly blows up London in a fun runaround. This week liminal and body horror before strictly yeah you know, like mad yeah and it, it's it's nice that yes we're getting these references and yes there was that pressure and he as you said he mentioned it on the podcast there was that pressure to deliver matt smith and peter capaldi yeah and i think he said the ghost of william hartnell riding on the back of a garm yeah which somebody needs to photoshop <laughs> um not in the Carvanista Dan fan arc, no, way, but in you know, not riding him in that way. No, um, I think that yeah, uh, I can't really think beyond that image now. Uh, I'll find <laughs> my my train of thought eventually. Um, yeah, that that pressure was on there, but this was actually 
showing off Doctor Who in its 60th anniversary year in the mad spread of stories yeah. that you can tell. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need these cameos to necessarily no. explore what Doctor Who is and what yeah. Doctor Who can be. Uh, you know, it kind of puts me in the mind of we were all thinking when Moffat was doing the 50th anniversary, what, and I guess to a lesser extent, Chibnall with the centenary special, <clears throat> what would a Russell anniversary story have looked like if yeah. he was in charge of the 50th? And I don't think it would have actually been let's get them all back, squeeze them into their costumes. Yeah. Because we've got that. We've had that for the 60th anniversary. Yeah. With Tales of the TARDIS and yeah. all the other stuff that's come out around it. So, again, let's not expect that to happen next week. I think no. there might be some some nice little hints and references, as yeah. there always are. Yeah. But um, it was nice, actually, to come away from this and not see a collective disappointment online of people going... But David Tennant didn't snog Matt Smith halfway through the story and we didn't yeah. get the gif of, of yeah. them all meeting and slapping heads. Because <clears throat> yeah. cause at one point I thought, particularly when they were in the vents and it was all dark and spooky and you thought, oh, you know, you were waiting, aren't you, for something to come out at Donna in that mm. particular moment. And, and, you know, and it all gets cold again, you know, which was the signifier that, oh, something's, something's going to happen. And I did think, well, if they're meant to be evil versions of the Doctor, you know, this is the opportunity for them to get Peter Capaldi in to play evil 12th Doctor and, you know, easily explained, oh, you know, you've had so many faces and we can't quite work out which one we're supposed to have or something like that, you know. And, and I thought, oh, is this, is, is, are they going to do it? Are they going to bring Matt Smith in? Or, you know, are they going to do something like that? But, you know, completely invert us, uh, sub, uh, subvert our expectations and, you know, he's going to be, baddie Doctor Who not you know mm. bow ties are cool Doctor Who um, but like you said I'm glad that didn't happen because I think it would have just distracted away from the main plot of the story which is just that like you said it is that the Doctor and Donna meet their evil doppelgangers um, and the other thing I liked about this was that it was unashamedly sci-fi um, mm. the whole thing from the off you know the design of the spaceship <clears throat> I gotta say huge props to Murray Gold with his score yes. again this week, because there was a lot of synth, you know, it felt like, a, it felt, the whole production felt like a sci-fi film that you could go and watch at the cinema, you know. Yeah, I saw a lot of people making references to Event Horizon. Yeah. Obviously, I think Alien, <clears throat> The Thing, yeah. you know, um, that kind of classic yeah, <clears throat> I, like I said, it's the earlier. It's the body horror thing that really mm. surprised me. Like actually, to see a gleaming white spaceship with blue lights and look, it's a futuristic sci-fi one. We yeah. know that Russell likes to structure his uh, opening sto- three stories as past, future, present. Yeah, and I guess we're going to get a bit more of the past next week. But this was the gleaming white sci-fi spaceship set in the yeah. future story. Um, so yeah, nice to see it just as it is and not dressed up. Um, and then to have the special effects, some of them, as we said, looked a little bit dodge, but yeah. I think that made it all the more creepy. Yeah. Um, Doctor Who excels when it works <coughs> to its limitations and can still pull interesting ideas and striking visuals out of maybe very little money, maybe yeah. very little time with a certain actor. Um, <coughs> maybe they have three sets, but they make it work. So. Yeah. It was a classic Doctor Who episode in that regard. And I yeah. also think that it will go down as a classic out of the last, you know, what, 15 years of, oh, of stories. For sure, for sure. And it was, I think it will certainly be one considered one of Russell's best um, out of all of the ones that he's done. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, comparing it to Midnight, you know, it's, it's got similar similar ideas. 
Uh, and I think, yeah, it will certainly certainly be up there. Uh, and going back to what you were saying about like the stuff like the CGI, all that stuff outside when you see yeah. the, the spaceship and the drone coming out. Yeah, yeah that it, was really cool. That was like, that you know, Doctor Who has never looked so good. We've yeah. said that a lot, you know, <clears throat> over the last couple of years. Yeah. But that, that CGI shot alone has got to be one of the most impressive CG shots. Yeah. Totally uh, CG shots that they've done. And that whole sequence where he's talking about, oh, you know, we're, we're at the edge of the universe and, you know, if you look over there, that's where the nearest star is, but it's like a trillion miles away. Beautifully written. I thought the beginning of this story was very, um, very arc in space, where it's just, yes. they're wandering around and the Doctor's marvelling at, you know, this, that and the other. Um, yeah, it was it, it was great. Um Really good stuff. And, and I loved all the explosions as well at the end. Great CGI there when the ship blew up. Lovely shots of the TARDIS spinning out of the out of the flames. Uh, we did yes, say... Yes, lots it, of beauty shots of the of the TARDIS. So yeah. big shout out to Ben Kingsley for providing us the uh, TARDIS porn. Oh, was it? Really? <laughs> um, we did say, interesting how I think only at the big... Was it only at the start of the Star Beast that we've seen the TARDIS materialise properly. At the moment, it's all been... The TARDIS is spinning round, flying in the air. We see it dematerialise sort of judderily at the end of the Star Beast. At the end of the Star Beast. Yeah, apart from that, yeah. But it's just been yeah. like lots of flying around, which I don't mind because it I looks love cool. Um, and I'm, uh, we sort of said, are they just saying, shit, we got the budget to do it. Let's just fly the TARDIS around. Uh, what did you think about the bit where the Doctor gets the TARDIS back at the end? Uh, we haven't mentioned the Hads, but that was a nice callback. Um, what did you think about the bit at the end when the Doctor steps inside the TARDIS and then starts to use it like a skateboard? That was a bit silly. But did, did you not like also, that? Also, no, I, no, I did like it, but, it, it, you know, it was a bit silly. I, yeah. But then... All of it was silly. So yeah. I, I wasn't sort of sat there going, this is the thing that I'm most grumpy about, like I may have done years ago and gone, yeah. that suit, why, why would the Doctor do that? He's never done it before. But, <laughs> you know, th this was all about showing things that Doctor Who has never done before and yeah. doing them and or, or, yeah, showing off what it is it's fully capable of. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought I thought it was good fun. I love that whole bit, like when when the Doctor just like twats evil Donna. <laughs> you know, yeah, she, and Donna like, would smack the shit out of yeah. each other. <laughs> you know, so good. And it was cool. Like you know, obviously we talked about the body horror. It's amazing how a set of false teeth, how that yeah. can do so much. You know, David's expression when they were looming on them. I thought that yeah. kind of again vacant, sort of not there face yeah. was and. and I would have liked a little bit more about like the eating because I think, yeah. you know, we eat, you know, that's something we do or whatever. Yeah. And then we're obviously with the teeth. I think they maybe needed a little bit more of a physical threat rather than we have the same strength as you and could just beat you up because yeah. I guess, yeah, you know, we, we, I don't want them to have tentacles and be sucking the knowledge out of their head, but yeah. it was a little bit, you know, um, uh, yeah, there wasn't a physical threat to them. Yeah. Um, we always say that Doctor Who is only as good as its villains or the threats mm. week to week. And I thought that, you know, these will go down as, as classic monsters. I, I would like to see them come back because I think there's a lot you can do. Um, and I don't think it's a case of one and done like the midnight monster because that's a very specific setting. And yeah. I know the threat is that obviously they can get out. And I know this is a very specific 
um, setting as well. But I, I think there's a lot more you could still do. We, we mentioned it with the flood when we reviewed, um, yeah. I almost said life on Mars, war on <laughs> Mars. Um, it will be great to see the flood come back because any monster that can take on a, a presence or a form or somebody's memories or somebody's lived experiences, that Russell excels at it, but it's fucking creepy. It's scary. Like yeah. all we have is our identity at the end of the day. And mm. for somebody to not only replicate that, but steal it from you. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to keep inventing new cerebral monsters every single time we want to do stories do like, like that. that. I think it would be nice to have them back. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 quite in, I quite like the idea of them just being a one and done thing. Um, my worry would be if you tried to bring them back, would it end up being a bit like the Weeping Angels and you just get diminishing returns and you just think, oh, you know, everything that you I do with them. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I, I think the trouble with the Weeping Angels is a different director has to visualise their movement each time. And I think yeah. it gets a bit boring when it's the lights are flashing or you can't bear to blink or it's they're coming through the TV. I think yeah. that was that the image of an angel becomes itself an angel yeah. is as far as that concept goes. Cause then after that you get the Matt Smith two part away, you see them move and it's like, right, well that is their gimmick done. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I'm not saying that they should be coming back with the same regularity. No. As the oh God, no. Maybe one episode in five years time. And at the end we go, Oh my God, it was them. The, yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe not that specific pair, but you know, yeah. uh, I would like to see it. But, okay. um, I can understand the, the argument that it's nice to keep it as it is. Um, shall we uh, have a quick look at what the people at home thought? Yeah. I can tell you what Ian Levine um, thought. He wasn't happy. Ian Levine wasn't happy, but then when is he? And I think, um, was it only because of the Timeless Children stuff came up? Was it just because Russell dared to infer that anything that Chris Chibnall wrote would happen? I, <laughs> and I he love... like the fact that there was no old doctors in it. I well, think. yeah, I think that was another again, thing. Again, that's like totally missing the point, isn't it? Like, yeah, that oh, I don't want to say too much because you know, uh, let's, let's all be friends. <laughs> uh, he 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 was very welcoming. Uh, James says exactly what I want from Doctor Who: just bizarre stuff where you can't tell what's going to happen next. I don't understand complaints about the effects at all. I thought it was good fun. Uh, Harry Draper. Uh, biggest improvement on previous years is that scenes really breathe again and stories yeah. adhere to a three-act structure. Mm. We can have the Doctor and Donna wander around a spaceship like the Ark in Space Part 1, soak in the atmosphere, let the tension amp up, good Doctor Who pace. Yeah. Um, another reason why it felt like a classic episode, I think, because it did have that slightly yeah. slower quality to it. Was it was a real slow uh, burn at the beginning, yeah. David says some great moments, some us a cringe moments, some amazing sci-fi, some uh, sci-fi CGI, some rather embarrassing CGI mixed bag for me this week. Um, but that's Doctor Who, though, this, isn't it? You know, if it, if it looked too good, it wouldn't be Doctor it Who. It wouldn't be Doctor Who. Like last week, you know, we said the Wrath Warriors. You know, they they were like the Doctor Who element because they looked a bit janky and a bit clunky and. You know, they were wonderful, but, you know, it had that Doctor Who-iness. And I think if the CGI had been pitch perfect, then maybe we would have lost that that slightly crap element that Doctor Who has to have. It's got to have a slightly crap element to it. It was everything uh, I hoped for from Doctor Who. Creepy and psychological. It was superbly acted and featured wonderful character moments responding to the Chibnall era events that were desperately needed. Doctor Who is back. 10 out of 10. That's from Jay. Um... I mean, it's all just pr 
praise Jonathan utterly besotted uh, Dominic says weird I want to say it will be memorable the bit about him processing his involvement in the flux is really good I feel like RTD thought let's do a really weird two-hander to mm. really show off Dr. Donna uh, and it was mostly enough maybe just needed a bit more time a fine ep so yeah I, I think when the uh, only super negative point that you can take away from it is not enough Bill Hartnell riding a garm yeah that's pretty good that is good. that is very good. Um, Shall we unpack a little bit about what we're expecting from this week's the episode, the final uh, special in the 60th anniversary? Uh, that, that's another thing. I, I, we, we should talk about it because I think that's been the main criticism. Does yeah. this feel like a 60th anniversary to you? Um, the thing is, the, it's felt like a 60th anniversary in as much as the peripheries have celebrated 60 years of Doctor Who. And we've, I mean, we're really eating well this this time because obviously all of Doctor Who is on BBC iPlayer, which is superb, uh, as well as all of the ancillary stuff. Uh, Daleks in colour, love it or hate it. You know, it happened. It was, it was cool. It was a cool experiment. And obviously Tales of the TARDIS were a standout because we got to see all of the old farts squeeze back into their costumes, apart from Colin Baker, who apparently I heard the other day, he said he requested the dog badge on his lapel to annoy oh. the fans. Oh, he, Colin. He said it, he said it would annoy them. So there we go. Bloody Colin. Well <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think everything else has been great. Obviously, you know, the... I'm I'm reticent to say that the, these three episodes haven't been a 60th anniversary celebration because I've enjoyed them so much. And I think as someone who has not really enjoyed Doctor Who very much recently, I mean, I keep seeing people posting, oh, these are the last four episodes of Doctor Who. And, you know, it's got Starbeast, of course, but then it's got Power of the Doctor and Legend of the Sea Devils. Well, you know, we both thought that both of those stories were pretty crap um you know and and really this the power of the doctor if you want if you want your multi-doctor story it's kind of that one the mm. trouble with that one though is that it was shite and the, the actual <laughs> the actual story was i think mess. i'm a bit more positive on it than you but i get what you're saying and, and like you say we're eating well the the, the <laughs> old farts coming back is is happening as part of the 60th anniversary yeah. and long may that continue because I think Russell is, you know, obviously we know it's an empire now. We know that it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah. He is going to try and keep all those plates spinning to keep all the different demographics of fans yeah. happy. What you should be seeing this 60th anniversary as is a celebration of the fact that Doctor Who is still here. Yeah. It's still able to bring you family entertainment like this where it is so off-piste from what you'd usually expect on primetime BBC One. Yeah. And the, it's a celebration of that is Doctor Who. It's here. Episodes are being made. Shut the fuck up. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, be happy with what you've yeah. got. Um, and that we're setting it up to continue to be successful and to thrive. And yeah. this is the present, is that Doctor Who is in safe hands and here yeah. is what we're we're offering you going yeah. forward. I think it's a very different situation to where we were with the 50th, you know, because I think the 50th, you know, the Doctor Who at that point, well, it, you know, had its Easter eggs towards the old series. 
you know, that felt like, okay, Doctor Who's been back on the air for however many years by that point, what, six, seven years. You know, it felt like now, if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it and bring back those old Doctors or do something to celebrate, you know, the old stuff. And, you know, you and I have sort of said a few times how a lot of that story feels tied in more to celebrating the new series with, you know, the odd nod to classic stuff here and there. Um, but like you said, we're in a, we're, you know, we're in a different position now where, yeah, you know, we're, we're just lucky that the programme is being made and is on the air because, you know, we were very close to possibly mm. not having a 60th anniversary special or specials or, you know, a new series at all. Um, so, you know, the fact that we're here and we're able to talk about it and the fact that we now know that, you know, they're in production on the second series and we haven't even seen mm. any of Shooty's stuff yet. You know, that's that's amazing. That is worth celebrating. Um, well, if it's, if it's good. Yeah, you might be, you know, you might regret saying that at some it might, point. It might be shit. I wish they bloody cancelled it at the 60th anniversary and it was just David and Catherine. Um, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the giggle. Um, what are we expecting? Any predictions? Anything that you've spotted along the way that you think is worth flagging? Um, there were, it was weird watching uh, the trailer afterwards and seeing Bristol and being like, oh, we were there. We saw we were that. Right there. We were right behind yeah. the camera. That's so weird. Yeah, it's going to be very odd watching that back and thinking, yeah, we're literally behind those cameras. It will be fucking 30 seconds, but it'll be the best 30 seconds of the entire yeah, episode because it, it will be it'd be the center but you know it's it's weird isn't it um yeah i mean there were some pictures got released last night i don't know where they came from but there were some pictures that leaked out last night and you know mel was in the background so obviously we know that mel's yes. going to be in this one um so there you are there's your 60th anniversary celebration that's all i You've wanted got, is just, a bit of mel bit of mel bit of bonnie uh i mean obviously the toy makers coming back you know a 60s baddie and that was something I was thinking last night um, or the night when Doctor Who was on. Um, I thought, oh, is, it, is there going to be something related to 80s Doctor Who in this one? Because it felt quite 80s, you know, with the, with the score and everything, that synthy score for Wild Blue Yonder. And I thought, oh, is, are they going to do a thing where, you know, the Star Beast is an adaptation of a 1970s comic? Oh, no, it was 98. That was 1980, wasn't it? That was 1980, Star Beast. I'm talking bollocks. I thought maybe each episode was going to sort of <laughs> hark back to... A okay. particular decade. Obviously, next week is, or this week, it's um, the giggle is obviously Celestial Toy Maker. So we've got our 60s thing. And I thought, oh, maybe I think you've got like you a could 70s. Say, yeah, this one, well, this one, it could have been called Running Down Corridors. Yeah. You know, and that, that is what Doctor Who is known for, especially at a time where yeah. you set up a bunch of corridors and you just film people running up and down them because it's the cheap way of doing it. Yeah. Like, not when you are on a massive green screen stage with treadmills and CGI and all that sort of stuff now, yeah. but that that was quintessentially Doctor Who. So it, yeah. it feels like it had, it obviously it all has the essence of Doctor Who, but it, it certainly felt like it was it was a classic base under siege. It was all of that, wasn't it? It was. Oh yeah. This is almost yeah. like this is the classic episode in terms well, of pacing and style. Is is archetypal Doctor Who? Um, yeah, it was brilliant. What, what about uh, the giggle for you? I'm looking forward to the giggle. Yeah, I think it's going to be a... It's, it's, I think it's five minutes longer than the last two. I think it's an hour and f five. It's just over an hour oh, long. Okay. Um, whereas the others have been 55. And obviously, we've got Shooty Gatwa becoming Doctor yeah. Who in that story. And yeah. we've got whatever happens with Donna and 14 and what this 
new look Doctor Who is like going forward with units and that that presence and and the Christmas special that we're leading into in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, on top of all of that, like I said, Shooty's coming in, so I'm I'm almost more more intrigued by that than the actual contents of the giggle. I'm sure the giggle as a story is going to be great, but I always feel like with those regeneration stories, there are means to an end. Like, yeah. really, as a Doctor Who fan when you look at the legacy and, and of the program, you're only really worried about those last three minutes. Yeah. What's the regeneration going to be like? What's their first line going to be? This is your moment to make an impact with me as your first time on screen. So I think that that's overshadowing it slightly for me, but I'm still yeah. looking forward to seeing Neil Patrick Harris and, and yeah. uh, what they have in store for us. And he, Bristol, obviously. he looks good. He does look good. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm, it's interesting that they've done away with the next time trailer. I wonder if that's partly to do with streaming, though, because oh, I was expecting yeah. it to pop up at the end of Disney. And then I thought, actually, if you're watching it back, it doesn't make any sense to have it on there. And no. they're not going to worry about replacing that file or, or No, whatever. that's, that's um, true. Something that did, um, updating you on my viewing experience of, of Doctor Who over here, oh, yeah. uh, that took basically until the advert break leading into the story on BBC One started for the listing to appear on Disney+. Plus, Right. Um, so the Star Beast was lit there at least the day before, maybe even longer. Yeah. Um, and you could, like, save it to your watch list, but yeah. it took forever for World Blue Yonder to actually appear. So, oh, weird. Um, I, I was assuming that was something to do with the cast list or a synopsis or something being yeah. leaked on the, on the listing, on the billing for it. But, um, yes, um, what are we going to do in terms of covering the giggle next week um we, yeah. we might try and live stream it i will let you know my availability i'm not going to dox myself uh, <laughs> on the podcast, but i will tell you once we finish recording uh yeah. what i'm good for and then i guess keep an eye on social media and the patreon for information about that yeah we'll we'll announce it and we'll just say you know this is this is what's happening um but we will try and get our thoughts on the giggle out there as quickly as possible uh, because I know people like to know what we what we think about it. Um, yeah, so that was Wild Blue Yonder. Brilliant. Um, not really much else to say, really, was it? It was just a bloody good story. Bloody and, good. Uh, yeah, that's all you really want from your Doctor Who, isn't it, really? A few scares. That's all I want. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you know, the scare factor is nice to get back into it because yeah. you, you think sometimes it can be a bit too cuddly, but it was great to have that sort of yeah. know, body horror and the visuals of it all. It was just so good. Yeah. Oh, and my, my nephews watched The Star Beast last week. Oh. Uh, the youngest loved it. He really loved it. Uh, and he's usually the one that's a bit more like, oh, I don't like Doctor Who. Uh, but he loved it. <laughs> uh, and he loved the meep. Uh, the eldest was not so keen. Oh yeah, we were quite surprised. He was just like, uh, "It was fine." He said, "I think he, I think he was expecting more." Okay. Um. So I. He don't might know- get it when he watches. I mean, he might get nightmares, but he might get it watching Wild Blue Yonder. Yeah, this is it. Like Jonathan was saying, "Oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to show them Wild Blue Yonder." He said he's a bit too talky and stuff. And I was like, "Ah, oh, bugger it!" You know, show it to him anyway, and you know, I'm sure they'll enjoy seeing. Giant sure Donna and David Tennant yeah, going, yeah. you know, T-Rexing after the little 
<laughs> the little thing. Uh, that was, there was a little Thunderbird reference in there, wasn't there? As well. I did, yeah, my lady. Yeah. I heard that, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, so I will also update everybody as to what my nephews thought of Wild Blue Yonder. <laughs> Please do. And your mum. And what your mum thinks of the giggle. <laughs> and what mum thinks of the giggle, we'll do. Uh, yeah, so that was that. Uh, we will join you next time for our review of the giggle. Like Billy said, keep an eye out on socials. And yeah, thank you all for watching and we'll see you all next time. Please share, like, subscribe and all the rest of it. And we'll see you then. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.